Okay, fam. I just want to be, oof, I'm going to cry already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, you're the, <laughs> you're the uh, guest today. It's like, I'm having a real one. So I just wanted to hit record right out of the gate as soon as Senyu popped on here. So um, I want to just be honest and set the tone. This episode is just going to be more of a fly on the wall like you get to be spending time with two friends kind of vibe as opposed to some professional interview i'm just in a real spot today you know and um also just the reminder of just how divinely aligned i always am because the place that i'm in today is really at the epicenter of the birth death portal you know and (laughs) I couldn't have picked a better person, friend to be in this spot with. So I'm grateful that I get to see you today and yeah, share this space with you. Today I'm having conversations around and just full transparency with Dr. Cleopatra and Luke and I are chatting with her about our pregnancy journey and all of that. And then simultaneously waiting for some news about a very (laughs) most vital important person in my life around a recent diagnosis and some next level information regarding that and so yeah you're in the portal of all the fields of the life death life cycle i feel it immensely and to simultaneously feel aligned with that life, death, life cycle that we're definitely in. And I know we are always aligned and we always speak at the right time. That's our friendship. We come together because we listen very clearly about who to connect with. You and I are very aware of our space and who we reach out to and who we allow into this space. And I just want to say thank you to us for continuously listening all these years. Yes, I could feel a birth before I got on here. To transparency, I was a couple of minutes late and why I went to take a walk to my tree and the roots of this tree, it it brings me into a portal of sacred love for myself. I'm usually very aware of giving. That tree just reminds me of me. And I could feel birth. And I got really excited at first. I was like, oh, what is this? You know, like, is this mine? You know? And I started getting annoyed. I was like, am I nervous? I'm going to just talk with Allison today. <laughs> like, then I was like, oh, this is excitement. This is growth. This is mm. life, whether it is of a human, but it's life. It's life. And I feel it for the both of us. And I know we've talked extensively what it means to be in a place in our life to want to give birth to a human. And whoa, all the societal stuff that comes at you as you're moving through the decision-making for yourself, 
for this body of ours, it's gotten me to really think about noise. How can I definitively still this into myself, love myself amongst what I call noise? So yeah, to what you just said, gratitude, gratitude. Oh, wow. Yeah, same gratitude deeply. And with that, thank you for bringing us to the thread that I personally still continue to feel it's important for me to express. And I really love all of the soul fam who is a part of Ceremony Circle. You guys have been amazing and you're, I can always feel your love and the way you show up for these conversations and the practices at the end and the messages I get from you around how this time together in this ceremony circle all together how it's informed you and shaped you and changed you i know your hearts but still even with that i want to be in my healthy true expression and saying that while i and potentially Sunyu will be sharing you know really honest things just please also tune into and remember each of our sovereignty and that we are such keen, adept, gifted listeners. And I personally, even though I'm willing to have a honest conversation with a dear ancient sister and share that medicine with you, I am not in need of guidance. I'm not in need of advice. I am not in need of messages around the subject matter and, and conversation that Sunyu and I are, are sharing in today. So as you have in the past, I just want to ask you again to continue to honor that expression and request and essentially boundary that I'm placing because, you know, even though Luke and I have been on our family starting journey for a, a year and a half now, we're, we're right on track don't mistake the fact that it's it's been a year and a half like nothing has gone wrong <laughs> we are exactly where we're supposed to be we are dialed in completely impeccably with the divine and dr cleopatra is a dear friend of ours so our our conversation with her today was connecting with a friend because it was precisely the day to do that and so I just wanted to speak that aloud and just want to stay, of course, in this organic flow with you. I guess is what's bringing up for me, I haven't heard from you and would love to hear from you, whatever you feel compelled to share around your doula journey. I've just been so curious and tuning into that and that opening, that call that you've been answering, I would love to just hear what has that been like? <laughs> I, I, I'm giggling because I'm like, what has it been like? I mean, it's just been an introspective journey of supporting myself. I went into the doula work, listening to the need to transition from the intense, beautiful work I've done around death and dying, palliative care, understanding and listening and witnessing, observing caregivers for those who are at the end of life, participating and supporting the transitions of individuals to 
their next part of their journey from their physical body. It's been about 10 years of that. And when my auntie was being called home, she was really clear, almost even loud. Her spirit was loud. (laughs) When she transitioned, she said, this is it. You have to live. I'm so grateful to have a partner who has been so supportive. Mm. And years ago said to me, really look into becoming a birthing doula. I listened, but not really. We always have the excuses if we want. I'm doing this, this, you know, I was in grad school actually at the time. So it just was so profound how honest my auntie was to me in her transition about it's time to live. You have to now be support of yourself and women. It's time to move on from the death dueling. It's time to move on into birth dueling, bringing life into this world. You've ushered me across and essentially saying she's the last (laughs) for now. Wow. (laughs) That is so powerful. Yeah. I was so curious what the meaning of that messaging she was sharing with you, what it held in it. And now you are elaborating and sharing that and how powerful is this the same auntie that I also felt yes because speaking when you're like and she was her spirit was loud because i had never met this woman but i remember when this was happening i was seeing her i was having dreams with her i was getting messages from her and i was like who is this woman wow what a powerhouse yes Yes. now auntie michelle is a powerhouse i listened and i took upon myself to do what needed to be done to to get to this point of study and inquiry. I found out a lot about myself that what I love about being of support of women, of the birthing person is the witnessing, is literally witnessing, listening, supporting the development of one becoming their own advocate, that expression of love for oneself is miraculous. And that, for some reason, hearing you just say that piece, like just a huge well of emotion came up for some reason. I'm seeing if a reason wants to show up, I think. I don't know. I just feel a bit of an ancient texture as to why I'm crying on that piece. I don't know if it's because historically there's been too much noise or historically that piece that you just said wasn't as developed as my soul wishes it would be. Like, are you picking up on why? Yes, yes. because we have been devoid of the complete merging of our bodies as sovereign beings and the knowledge that we already know we have about birthing, about bringing life into the world, the feeling of that ancient texture you speak about drives me right back to elderly women speaking to the girls of their community about what it means to create family. It's not just bringing actually a life into the world, but it's the communion that man and woman and I am being 
very cognizant of using those pronouns, creating a being that comes and walks on this earth to what? Take on a next generation. I mean, how awesome is that? I get chills thinking about that. And then too, there's so many different ways of bringing life, being a supportive one, giving life, support of the family. It's just not you and I who are having the birthing experience. It's Luke. It's the people that are around you who love you. It's your animals. It's your environment. It's your ability to speak up for yourself, to let people who you love know what your wishes are, to be aligned to the grace and peace that birthing is. Yeah. Yeah, it's it holds so much. <laughs> I mean, I could literally talk, I feel like, for a, a decade about what this year and a half has brought forward for myself and Luke. I've always kind of wished my whole life I was a journaler for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And especially, I even got a handmade journal just for me to hopefully give me the impetus to become a journaler because I was so astounded right out of the gate as to the teachings and evolutions and all, just all the things that just were like right there and have continuously been there. I think I put one page down in that journal, mm -hmm. but um, it's just not, I don't know. It's just, I'm just not a journaler, but uh, yeah, I mean, the spirits of these babies. Wow. Oh, and when I tell you my first witness of birth, I was 13 years old of my little sister. She's now in her thirties. And the first death was at 16, holding space for my grandmother transitioning. She was home through hospice care. So at 13 and 16 years old, I understood by 16, I understood the life death life cycle mm. because life after my grandmother was different. So there is that conversation that I didn't know to have with myself at 16 years old, but in reflection of where I am today, being able to then see another birth, a live birth to, to be connected to those babies. One of my doula babies is going to be nine months soon. Like, huh? How did time move that quickly? He knows my voice. Mm. So can you imagine if he knows my voice, the voices that he knows already that he hears every day? So to remind the family that there is, they are still in that stage of listening, that, that, that sovereign being is needing for you to listen. Oof. And from a cultural standpoint, I am from Uganda. The teachings of children are in, they, they begin from utero. Yeah. Yes, they do. We imbue that with the conversations with the elder women of community but we've detached ourselves from community very well. And 
for what I believe is a gift. COVID brought us to understand even more how important community is. For you and I, we thrive within the space of creating community. So that is not per se our moment of concern, but it's concern when I'm I'm with these families. And so I am expressing myself in a space of education. I'm an educator as as true to my soul, my core. And wanting to be not only present for the birthing experience, but before the child comes that I'm most excited about. And I love, of course, the postpartum pieces, I think is very important. It's that journey of that nine months, nine and a half months. Girl, my soul is Mm. just, I got some popcorn popping right now. Honestly, like just knowing that you're here on the planet, gracing us with you being a doula now, like I am like popping inside, honestly, oh, I like love it. I love light it. beams popping, just what a gift, truly. I really mean this. What a gift you're bestowing to us saying yes to that call. Yes. And that's, see, this is how we go, guys. You know, like she understood exactly. It's the call. I listened. I listened. There's not many words other than gratitude, love, taking the time to pause, to think about how I want to show up in that way. I feel like I do help in birthing in the work that I do outside of dueling, working with people to dive straight into their body, into their bones to understand those stories. I'm helping people birth their stories that they want to truly step into outside of the programming. Again, I talk about being from East Africa. It's that nuance, that intersectionality that I live in. I grew up between the U.S. and East Africa. I have a a duality of cultures. Maya Angelou has a beautiful poem about wearing the masks and all of these masks that she wears. She combined the poem by Paul Lawrence Dunbar, The Mask, and the reciting of it, just to hear her speak about all of these different masks that we wear. I believe in me becoming deeper into birthing energy is allowing me to take off all of these different masks. How so? Because I'm starting to peel back layers of myself and I'm tapping into more of them. That allows me to see how often I had to traverse this earth, almost succumbing to society's ideas of who I am, familiar ideas of who I should be, releasing those bonds and truly looking at myself because that is the mirror of truth that I want others to look at. I want them to see in me truth, thus they see in in themselves truth. Mm. And through the stewardship of being a birthing doula, I believe it's also important to be able to know what masks we have put on, because if we do not, Mm. we have the capacity to reprogram the other into keeping their masks on. Uh, And girl, that is so vital. This is a vital arrow bullseye moment you're going on keep going in taking off the mask we fear not judgment and that's truly what a lot of us 
in the world feel is judgment. I'm just so in this because, oh man, palm sweaty on this and gracing and blanketing everything. I mean, always, but just saying out loud what I'm about to share, it's all, graced with love. It's love. It's love. And I need to honor what's coming up and be able to express what's coming up authentically. Two things. I was tracking something you said about five minutes ago to not let it dissolve away because it's important. And it, it also ties into what you're just speaking to now. The sovereignty of these spirit babies, like there's something so big with that and us remembering the spirits of these babies are already sovereign. They are in the ethers, in whatever realm of stage of realms they're in. And as they're speaking to us and we're feeling feelings from them and, and all these ways of communication and whatever stages that they're at with us, they're already whole and sovereign. And for me, that feels so vital to like reiterate and speak to, because it's like, for me, it feels like a reminder that this baby is arriving to me in my sacred womb. And then I get to co-create and bring this already sovereign baby into earth plane, knowing upon first touch point of upon first physical look, this being is sovereign. And so it becomes more my duty and my desire to do what I can to hold that child and that sovereignty for as long as I can support that as opposed to, I mean, there could be any other number of views, like just forgetting that the baby is sovereign. And then the parent might look into like needing to parent or teach. It's like, no, like this being arrives to us whole and sovereign. Let us remember that. And how I have witnessed one remembering what you just said is to listen to their body. I love working with mothers before they are actually sharing with me they're pregnant. Why? Because you are preparing the womb to hold this sovereign being who already has all the information it possibly needs. So once then there's that child there, what will be a child, ask, what do you need? I literally move through with moms asking, because you had those conversations, right, about how you would like to raise your child, you know, the environments. And I mean, some folks just have a whole plan. Without listening. Sit, without listening. But I'm listening to this plan. And I just sit there and I just, I smile. I can't help but just smile. You know, Allison, you know me. I'm just like, mm -hmm. <laughs> tell me more. Yeah, tell me everything. Because I don't know. <laughs> Because I don't know, but you clearly think that you know. So let me listen to you. And the individual can break it down themselves once the question is, how do you know? Mm, mm, there you go. That'll bring you some clarity. <laughs> if not, then maybe I'm not actually the person for you. But so, right. you know, and that's okay. True that. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Bringing these two threads together, uniting. 
So with what we're talking about, about these spirits being so whole and sovereign and powerful and divine and just all the glorious things, and then that mass conversation that you spoke of, how one of the greatest gifts in you answering the call into doulahood, it was the conversation and teachings around illusions and masks and falsehoods needing to fall away. And what was fascinating for me was one of the trillion revelations and parts of this journey in the last year and a half was the spirit baby and our field at one point demanded that I cut ties with someone in my life and I listened and it was ungodly uncomfortable because it required me so much. It was a very, very deep and oftentimes very intense journey in realizing I knew where my priorities were. My priorities are honoring this baby, doing what Luke and I need to do to birth this baby into physical actuality. That was already known, but then when I realized what this baby was asking and requiring of me to sever ties of this friendship, I did what I needed to do, and it required, you know, a no contact conversation of saying like, I need space and the space needs to be a no contact space. And I mean, a lot of things brought me to that realization, but it was the spirit baby who demanded the steps be taken and that the field be cleared. And one of the reasons the field needed and had to be cleared was because, and again, it's all love, but in where that person was at and in, in their journey and their deep healing journey, there was too many masks and personas and falsehoods and illusions. And that, that could not be a part of my field and bringing this baby forward. No, period, period, period. And I can sense it was a challenge. It was painful, painful, uncomfortable. And also with the language that we use, Allison, not everyone resonates with the language. So That too is a signifier for me as to where we are on our journeys of being listeners. When we become even more deeply attentive to our listening skills, the language changes, right? The way that we walk on this earth changes, who we interact with changes. I'm so delighted to know that the spirit baby was very clear with what they needed. Yeah so loud and clear and i'm yeah i'm so grateful you know it's just one of the many examples of how this child has brought me into even so much more fullness of the truth of who i am and who i need to be right now and in all the things is it exciting it is it is it's just yeah that particular example that i share just it held within it just stuff from past lives. And that's what created that, that texture of discomfort and, and mm-hmm. friction that I'm exiting out of for the most part. There's just like, you know, a couple little threads that I'm, that I'm working through. Well, grief, it's, you're grieving. Yeah. A, a, a relationship and grief doesn't disappear, it dissipates. And there's always that 
moment of, well, there always will be a moment of discomfort through time. Letting go is not always so easy, but it will become easier. And so you talked about your fingers, that little, yeah, that little, that little tug. Right. <laughs> <laughs> mm. A little tugaroo. little tugaroo. And it is, it's freeing, it's truth, it's of truth, it's of truth. And that is my honoring place and has been for eons and will continue to be. And that is yeah. what I choose and have to. I must uphold that line above all. And I do and I will. So yes, there, there is excitement about how much I hear and I'm connected to and honoring and respecting my child's needs before I'm even holding this child. Yeah. Yes, it holds the yeah. other side of all that juiciness as well. Yes. Well, I'm reflecting back on the past couple of years and you have gone through many transitions and building lots of things, physical structures and new avenues and opportunities. So I'm excited for you because I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, well, duh, here we are. This is happening. And I think that's also really important for women who want children. You must believe it's happening. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I even said that today in the conversation with Luke and Dr. Cleopatra and myself. I was actually, I think I started the conversation. I was like, make no mistake. This is all happening. Yes. We're right on time. For my own personal understanding, where are you at with you being a doula? Are you taking on new mamas and families? And like, where are you at in that journey right now? So right now I'm at the end of the journey of study. And so I am going to be before the end of the year, opening up to the world, my services and my support. I am in the process right now of creating the community that I would like to work with and support. So new mommies, I'm welcoming into the space because the way that I am being guided to offer support is through the work that I'm already doing with the bone healing, shamanic, narrative medicine, and spirituality. So I'm excited because there's an opportunity for me to really create a deeper connection with the mothers and the families and the external to-do list pre-birth through the workings of story, through the workings of understanding the body and the stories of the bones that will allow the woman, the family members, individuals to truly be honest about what it is they are preparing for, what their journey is in all of this. Even understanding what it means to hold space for this human being. It's smushy and it doesn't talk and it shows through their body what they want and need. And energetically, if we're not attuned to our own body, we're not going to be able to be attuned to that mushy, beautiful <laughs> being that is in our hands. Yeah, that's been one of the most beautiful things to witness within myself is Luke and I are really blessed to have pretty much all the people that we feel in safest close-knit company with here. They're all parents and some have mm -hmm. six kids and wow. Yeah, it's been 
incredible. I'm a godmom to one of the six kids, um, bearded dragon. Like I'm, you know, we're in there. Yeah. And when you become a godmom to a bearded dragon of a friend's child, you know, to me, that's a sign we're right on track. So yes. when I'm with these children, I get to be auntie. It's been so cool. Like we, Luke and I were in Colorado a couple weeks ago and his brother has a little baby. The baby's almost a year and a half, cutie tootie named Bjorn. And they're on a path which what most would consider an unconventional, like they had a wild free birth at home, their first time parents, and they were in the middle of a cabin in the middle of nowhere in Idaho. Like we're talking like pilgrim days. I feel like yes. they took it back pilgrim style or something like Oregon Trail, that, that old school uh, video game we used to have at school. Like mm -hmm. they were kicking it that style. So in witnessing their way of like potty training, the mom, Emily, you know, we have a real good vibe. And she was saying to me, you know, he's never worn a diaper and we don't go that way. We like, we just listen for the cues, the body cues. Yeah. And she mentioned to me something about he might grunt. And so one night I was playing with him on the couch and I thought I heard, you know, some form of a grunt. And then like he kept, you know, we were playing peekaboo and doing all the things. And I was just, I got this intuitive like, mm -hmm. and I said, do you, do you need to go potty? And he not, he's not really talking yet. And so he yeah. didn't say yes or no, or give me, but I just intuitively sensed. And Luke heard me and I was like, I feel like he needs to go to the bathroom. And if you aren't listening, he will piss on the couch yes. he will piss on you. And so Luke came over and was like, do you want me to take him up? Cause Emily and Cody were upstairs. I said, yeah, I really feel like he has to go pee. So Luke brought Bjorn upstairs and then I went into the kitchen to help with something. And then I heard from upstairs on the second floor landing, Auntie Allie, you were right. You know, <laughs> he, you listened, he, he's in the bathroom, you know, going to the bathroom right now. And then another time I was with a mama who she's breastfeeding and she's a medicine woman and she was in the middle of ceremony. She let me hold her daughter and this was a new thing for her. She was just kind of at a place where she was letting others kind of hold and take that role. And she said, you know, even though I'm being of service in a ceremony, let me know if you need me, like I'm there yeah. and you can interrupt. And I was with her cutie tootie daughter for, you know, an hour or two. And then all of a sudden, again, I got that, that, Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think she needs her mom's boob. She needs milk. She needs her mama. And I went to the window of the room where they were serving um, medicine. And I, and the mom, we just were dialed in. The too. second that I went to that window, the mom looked up from the ceremony. We locked eyes and she just knew. And she came to the door. And after they completed the ceremony, she came to me and said, you literally brought her to me at the precise moment. If you don't listen and you wait, she goes into a crying fit because she entered a stage of hunger that's too uncomfortable. She was yes. like, you brought her to me at the perfect time. Thank you. And so, you know, it's just been so nourishing to feel and arrive to that knowingness that, that I know I'm, I'm with it. Yeah. I'm attuned. It's been yeah. so beautiful to witness, even with kids that aren't my own. Yes. I know when she needs the tit, uh -huh, when she needs uh -huh. the milk. She needs the milk. She needs mommy. And she's not know? telling me. I feel it. If, and that's the key. The feeling of it is 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 amazing. You know, that same experience of other people's children 
in your hands, you know, to feel them knowing what it is they want is magnificent. And that experience, when I first had my first doula baby, I did an overnight, I did night nursing. And it's not my favorite thing to do. Honestly, I really believe that I'm best at my prime and during the day. And that's a beautiful thing too, in my practice. Noted. Yes. So I have great individuals who are the night nurse, but experiencing night nursing, I think is very important for every doula to have. And what you do in the evening, that child is asleep. It doesn't matter if you birth the child or not. You are listening. You're watching. You're observing. Mm-hmm. You're getting close. You're, try- you're seeing, okay, how close can I get if before the child starts to maybe feel my presence? You know, and this is important information for doulas to be able to describe to the parents or the caregivers, I've noticed this, keep an Mm -hmm. eye on this. And that is also a role of doula midwife is to be able to share the observations of their child to them, because sometimes parents are, maybe it's a cultural thing, I don't know don't speak up. They don't, they don't say what they've, they've always noticed, you know, it goes through their minds as what they should notice, right? What the pediatricians say that you should notice for, but the other stuff, the, the ethereal things as well, Hmm. you know, that is also too important to be able to have space and comfort within the people that you're working with as a doula or a midwife, if you choose to have one, to have those type of conversations. Because again, these are such magical beings. They've been untouched by the world. They are untainted. They have so much knowledge to give. Yes, untainted. Hi, Soul Fam. If you listen to episode 114 of Ceremony Circle, then you know how deeply connected to and passionate about Kana plant medicine I am. Kana is legal. It is beautiful. It's a heart opener, and it is also known as the happiest plant on the planet. And it is now available to experience in a brand called Ka, a tingling, feel-good Kana supplement in both a tincture and chew form. And be sure to use code CEREMONYCIRCLE at checkout to get yourself a community discount. Kana is an empathogenic plant from South Africa that supports us in feeling the fullness of our aliveness, open-heartedness, and calm feelings around everyday stress. Ka chews and tinctures are handmade, they are safe, they are legal, they are non-addictive, and they invite a deeper connection with yourself and others. I have honestly, personally been so blessed to have been working with Kana the last few years, and I can't even put into words the love and joy and reverence it's brought into my life. So just head to ohmyka.com. That's ohmyka.com, ohmyka.com. And remember to use the code Ceremony Circle at checkout so you can get your Soul Fam discount. Now back to today's episode. What's coming up, bubbling up is if it feels in like pristine energy for you and does not feel like a need to validate yourself through past accomplishments, like I want it to feel clean. And if it feels clean, I would love for you to share 
because you have accomplished so much working at Columbia University in, in New York City and coming from, I forget how many 80 generations plus of bone healers, indigenous bone healers in Africa. Like, how have you noticed these past callings now being of service in such a unique way with you becoming a doula? Like, I mean, I can't even imagine, and I know you get what I'm saying, but it's like, when I look mm -hmm. back, I'm like, oh, it makes sense why I was a distance runner and the connection that brought me. It makes sense why I was a TV host and a radio host. You know, like it all in hindsight makes sense when I had arrived to who I truly am and how to best be of service, like all the things I'd done before just lined up and made sense. Are you already noticing the past callings and how they are adding to your doula work now? Absolutely. And I'm really, really happy we're having this conversation because it's what I've been thinking about a lot of time. I was in East Africa this summer, hadn't been home in three years. So I had a lot of time with myself and I had moments of like giggling about my journey, enjoying reflecting back on teenage Sanyu, you know, 20 year old Sanyu, 30 year old Sanyu, and just really having gratitude for for the difficult times, my beginning of my journey into becoming who I am has not been also comfortable. It's been actually quite uncomfortable, particularly in my teens and 20s. I was pissed at a chip on my shoulder. I was working in financial IT. I was 19 years old, making more money than my parents, and it just didn't make any good goddamn sense. The look on your <laughs> face is hilarious. I wish everyone listening could see your face right now. It is a stank face. The, the her upper lip was in the nose just oh god that's funny <laughs> and that that there that experience those couple of years of you know just being in a place I didn't that was uncomfortable I needed to be there I understand why I was in corporate for I think it was five, six years, I thought I was going to truly be an international banker. You know, that that's, you know, what I thought I was going to do. Wow. And God was like, nope. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> far from it. Far, 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 far from it. But part of that journey was teaching. I learned, I used to have certification in series six and series seven financial education. Mm. Where that came from, it was part of the gig of what I was doing at the time. And I was teaching at the time I was in my early 20s, you know, older adults, people in their 40s, 50s, who've been in financial industry for 20 some odd years. And I was teaching them. And I remember too, I felt so old. Mm. Mm, right. I even dressed old. Right. You did know? you have a gray suit, like a dark gray? Yes, I did. I just got a flash vision of you in this like dark, charcoaly gray business suit. Oh my gosh. I think it was Ann Taylor or Banana Republic. Um, oh, that sounds right. So, you know, just being in that experience, I knew education when I reflect has always been Mm -hmm. right. my journey. I am an educator. Yeah. I am a support system for individuals who want to expand in their knowledge base of fill in the blank. So I've had so many different fill in the blank experiences of teaching. And so 
Yes. I went to Columbia. I work there now in the meds medical school, which is just a little part of who I am. Yeah. You know, talk about the masks. Well, the masks of education and the degrees and all that stuff. I had to learn to just peel back and say, that's not who I am completely. Yeah. That's a little piece. Also, there's a, a, a little piece of my consulting firm, my cultural and communications firm, where I use narrative practice to help organizations create psychological safety in the workplace. Mm. And I have colleagues who I'm able to help create jobs to go out and do the work of narrative medicine. Because mm -hmm. let's be clear, when I received my master's degree, some of us who were not clinicians were like, mm -hmm, so now what are we going to do with it? I always knew how I was going to use this degree. And what I said was, I'm going to create a space and a community where organizations hire this organization that is Narrative Bridge, and I can have a roster of my own friends and colleagues to go out and do the work. Mm. And that's what I've been slowly creating and developing, and we're out in the world. And again, that's just a small piece of who I am. Doing palliative care work, being a caregiver, being a death doula, that's a big piece of my work because it allowed me to look back at that time, you know, when you saw my face just stank about my journey in my teens and 20s, I could relate that to what death feels like maybe. Mm. That was a death of who I thought I was going to be, but it became that I was something else that I wasn't comfortable with. So I had to go through a journey of clearing and dying from that connection and allowing for new growth and new things to be birthed. And so being in that death space, that that transitional space of supporting and being of guidance to those who are ill was a very important space to live in. And it was a very important space to move out from, right? The work that we do, Allison, as well as like, we're, we are to a degree absorbing, right? We feel, we can feel the other. So at those moments, we are absorbing information yeah. so we can, what, be a channel for the other, being a channel for someone who is sick, who then also truly believes they are dying versus someone who knows that they're, they're just going to live. Mm. Yet they might, they're probably going to die, but they're, it's a different mindset. Mm -hmm. Those are two different types of people to support in that death and dying space. And so that consistency and constantly being amongst those energies and stuff, after a while, you got to find ways to, to clear that out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And also just, I keep being taken to where you come from this lifetime and your lineage and coming from the motherland and just, I mean, it doesn't get any more ancient. Like you work with the bones, you know what I yes. mean? You, you, the ancestry work, the oh, bone work. I mean, what you carry and embody holds like the deepest back places we can yes. go. And so that brings a whole other. I'm like foaming at the mouth of like, yes, 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 yes. Because I have a support system. My father, and it's so funny. Again, we're talking today. This past weekend was the culmination of the bone healers from our clan at our ancestral land where it all began. Wow. Nagodawe. And my father was there. He is the head 
of the clan and he had one ceremony left. Now he went through ceremony 20 years ago, but there's another part of the ceremony in his seventies. Now that he has to go through, he sent me photographs. He sent me videos of him walking the land. He sent me the different tools that they use to, we call it slashing the grass to, to be able to clear the land the very tool that our ancestors used to do that, to create space for healing. And he just sent me actually those pictures yesterday. And wow. he sent me also more information. And this is what I say, he and I are, are, are being connected in such a way for me to feel in what it would feel like to be at the precipice of the initiation. I'm a woman, I will not be initiated but I am at the precipice of feeling into what it feels like to be a part of an individual, the chief of this healing magic. Wow. And that in itself is something to sit with. Knowing yeah. I will not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on the edge of my seat with that, that one, yeah. I was like, tell me more. Oh my goodness. And so can you share a little bit like with this, uh, completion point or full 20 year full circle point of this particular initiation, I'm sure of many different ones. Like what is one thing that's occurring in this place that he's at? The ancestors are coming out. They're speaking to him directly, giving him the medicine that he needs to continue in his journey of leadership, of health, of making sure he's sharing the knowledge and wisdom that the ancestors are giving him. Mm -hmm. There is a structure that he goes through and the way he described it to me, it's like walking through the darkest of darkest tunnels. Wow. Now on the land, it just looks like a, a structure, but inside you're going through the darkest of darkest tunnels. So the mind must have an imagination of what that might look like. I will never know what it looks like in there. But he has told me that you're walking through there for hours and you're left there overnight and they come back for you in the morning. And if certain things are done, then it is done. If they're not, it is not done. So it is done. It is done. Wow. That's cause for something, celebration yes. or yes. honoring or rattling of a rattle. Yes, I know. Right. It, actually, the celebration in itself was my opportunity to work with an 83 year old woman in Mexico yesterday on her bones. Mm. The very day that I received even more knowledge and wisdom and tools and ways to connect my ancestors to help me in sessions of working with people's bones. And I, receive that as such the gift that was the celebration. Right. That makes total sense. Right. I mean, there's no coincidence. How am I going to have a, a session booked at the very day that I received the information from my. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it was not your initiation, you're of course receiving so much from that, from your bloodline, from your ancestors, like looping you in, in the precise way that you now need to be integrated into where your father is now integrated in. And just, exactly. wow. Ooh, thank you for yeah. sharing that. That felt like such a beautiful code. Talk about narrative medicine. Thank you for sharing that narrative medicine. Yeah. Thank you. I haven't spoken about it, you know, it hasn't even been 24 hours. So it's really feels nice to, to share that with you. 
Yeah, it felt like an honor to receive because I, that was another thing on my list is I wanted to hear a little bit about what your last trip back to Africa, like what that felt like and if there were any stories to share, um, any revelations or surprises, <laughs> anything. I'm giggling because I learned to deepen my listening skills to the trees and the birds. My Tata, which is my father, the man who I was just speaking about, he lives on our family's resort and it's a beautiful forest. He planted every single tree that is there. I remember when it was barren and I was probably in my early 20s. So for 25 plus years or so, he has created an oasis, he and his wife. And he says that his best friends are the trees and the birds. Mm. My father is a very funny man and he's also a diplomat. So he knows how to use language again, very well. And he's a great storyteller. So on the family's resort, they're like, I can't remember, I don't know, maybe 10, 10 structures. They look, they're different types of huts. Mm. My father spent a lot of time in Japan and he brought Japanese architects to Uganda to work with local ways of making huts. The idea was if colonialists, if we were never colonized, what would our structures look like? And there are some beautiful structures. One structure actually looks like a boob, like literally with the nipple on top. And I, I laugh so hard when I see this structure and it's gorgeous inside. They've only used sand and water wow. and created these beautiful structures. So I'm in one of them, which is about a six minute walk to my father's. And you're walking through the forest. And so one evening, it was dark, and I knew he was up. And I'm walking to, we call them cottages. And so the cottages that he's sitting in has this family of birds. Now, he told me about the birds. I get the birds. And he says, they protect me. And I was like, mm -hmm, yeah, oh, sure. So I'm walking, and there's this beautiful archway that the trees have made to come, you walk through it and then you see his cottage. As I'm walking through it, I hear ruffling and stuff. And I'm like, okay. And I, and he, and we're taught to walk through the space at night with something to make a noise because of snakes. Okay. So just to make that noise, I didn't have anything. So I'm using my feet. So I'm looking a little crazy walking through this, you know, archway, like stamping my feet. And all of a sudden I hear, and I'm like backing away and I'm like hearing the trees like ruffle and I mean, it was a lot of noise. My father walks out, opens the cottage door, and he calls me by my nickname, Sazu. He goes, Sazu, Sazu. And I was like, Tata, Tata. And he's like, come on, just, just walk, just walk. And I come in the cottage. I was like, the heck was that? He's like, I told you, at a certain time of night, my birds protect me. Wow. They let me know when someone is in the area. Ah. I said, good trees. I mean, are they around my area? Like, right. he's like, I don't know, call them. And does call your them. daughter get a pass at some point? I like, <laughs> I mean, like, what's up? Can't you tell I'm the kid here? You know, yeah. I'm his daughter. No, no, wow. no. And the, the stories he tells me of trees speaking to him, um, this is the piece of imagination that is so important for the work of the bone healer. If you cannot bring yourself to imagine the healing happening, it's going to be 
near to impossible for the healing mm. to happen. And the trees speak of that. And the the medicinal ways that we use the trees and the stories that he tells me about the trees speaking to him at night, moving, letting him know what he needs to know. That was the greatest gift to be with the teacher, mm. right? Over 2000 years of bone healers are in my family to be with who is the teacher, the leader now for as long as I was for several weeks. I mean, I left New York city. And by the time I got back, I was like, oh, wow, you know, this is summer, <laughs> you know, I've been in a different place. I've been in the forest and really being communing with water. You walk through the forest and then there's this beautiful greenery and they made a man-made beach along Lake Victoria but Lake Victoria, you know, she does her own thing. So it rose. And so we lost half the beach. So now my father, he's an ecologist and he created his own pond. I mean, mm. to be amongst someone who's also too creative mm. and wanting to be so connected with the land was healing for me. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I didn't it. spend a lot of time in the city. And when I did, that was nice. But I realized too, I'm in a different part of my life, you know, where I want more music of nature around yeah. me. Same, same. Um, Luke and I, we got bird feeders. I just recently nursed back to life. I named her Mystica. She was a dove and mm. Mystica her, broke her wing and I saw her waddling around our yard. And I just knew that mommy instinct. I was like that I, I hadn't named her before I met her in this way, but I was like, that bird is hurt. So I observed her and I would notice that day and the next day that she, you know, she could only walk and she was trying to go into the corners. Our yard has a, a large fence. And she would go into the, the deep corners of the fence, you know, to try to find an area of safety because yeah. she can't fly away. And I went on this whole journey. This She only recently healed and flew on to live her best life in the past week. Oh, and this was like a multi-week journey of Mystica and I, and like it just to become in relation in yeah. these ways that we're speaking of, there's nothing greater in my humble yeah. opinion. Just having this dove end up and our plot of land that we cohabitate and co-create on and for me to attune to her in the best way that I could, I would leave her food and I would leave mm. her a, a bird bath because I read that doves love to clean themselves. And I was like, she she can't bathe. And I mean, we have a pool, but the pool yeah. probably has stuff in it that they don't prefer to bathe in. So I was like really doing research on how to best care for Mystica. And the funny thing is, before we went to Colorado, we wanted to have somebody to stay at the house. What do you call those yes. people? Just, I don't know. House sitter. House well, sitter. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. Because we wanted Jelly and Cookie, our dog and cat, to just be able to stay here and live their best life and not have to like go somewhere else. So when the house sitter who had never done this job before came the day before we were leaving, I mean, Luke and I have a whole like five page document, you know, cause there's a lot of things you can do in here. You know, don't touch the altar pieces. If you use the biocharger device, you have to do, I mean, it's like we have a manual yes. for how to house it. And, um, 
And so on the manual became Mystica. Like, I'm like, so we're nursing a bird back to life. And he's like, what? He thought I was kidding. I was like, no, come out. I need you to meet Mystica. I need to tell her that you'll be here as the caretaker for the next week. And the look on his face, he was just like, you got it. It's already enough. He was already so overwhelmed. And he's like, are you for real? I'm like, no, I'm for real. (laughs) If the bird seed in this closet, don't worry, it's organic. I need you to put two handfuls out. I need you to make sure she's got clean water to bathe in. And then at this point in the journey, Mystica, her wing was beginning to heal. So she was in the testing phase of like, being able to go we have this smaller tree that was her preferred living quarters and she would walk upon this lower branch and then it wasn't that far from the low branch to the top of our eight foot fence so she was in the phase where she was testing a few flaps of flight from the branch to the top of the fence and so i had to explain to him that if she goes missing like these are her next stages of where she's evolving to it was this whole freaking thing but i i love just being able to speak to mystica and to speak to this because like does it get any better than like attuning to the land you cohabitate on and learning the creatures and the critters and their needs and hearing the the trees wisdoms and next instructions Mm -hmm. like it does not get any better than that to me i agree i agree it so much so inspired me to take my first group back to Uganda this November. Uh, intimate group, I'm taking them to Murchison Falls, which is the Great Falls of Lake Victoria, and doing some work along the Nile and just really bringing people to the land of the forests and the water and communing in that way. Mm-hmm. It's less about you have to fix yourself, right? I I don't, I'm not even a practitioner in that way, right? As that shamanic energy moves through you, no one, we all are perfect. Yes. So being in a space of perfection, really, (laughs) Mama Africa is perfection. Mm -hmm. I'm just really excited because this communing with the land brought me to feel the readiness to share it you know, mm-hmm. going home, as you know, Allison, I go home, it's my time away. I do take people to Kenya. I grew up in Kenya and that's been one of the most magical places I've ever been able to share people with. Uganda are where my ancestors live. Mm-hmm. That's a different type of movement. That's a different type of opening space. And I'm excited because individuals are going to meet Tata. And part of that is to allow him the space to share his knowledge and wisdom of the trees and the medicine that the land brings. So that was my summer, bringing me into these different ways of sharing with others where we come from mm, yeah, where we come from we all oh gosh how glorious best update ever i love all of this and so 
is this invitation open to the public? Do they need to yes. apply? Okay. No, it is open. My website, you can get to that. I'm, I'm going to go into the, the mode of sharing some of the ways that one can connect with me. So And amazing new apps website, by the way. I just, Thank you. I mean, I went to it when you said it was done, but I just popped back onto it the other day and I was like, it's gorgeous. Thank you. That was a labor of love to learn how to listen and be quiet and patient for all the months, because you know, it doesn't take just a month or two to create that. It's a deep journey. Oh, oh, so thank you. I am really excited that I was able to also work with women mm. in creating, you know, what I put out into the world and that energy. And it happened that we all were under similar movements in our life of expansion. That was really great. So you can go and find information on the website, which is sunyubiragua.com. I have the retreats page. It's actually the first icon up there. And I do a lot of different trainings. And that's what I'm focused in on with the doula work is trainings and education that have some deep, deep modalities of indigenous healing practices. And that's my true star is bringing that intersectionality, that mean to the individual or the community when they bring in themselves, when they are a part of everything that they do, nothing is separate of themselves. So trainings are things that I'm offering. I'm doing something a little fun and new through curiosity, using technology a little bit more. And so I've started to play around with Voxer, this app where you can speak to people in real time. It's, you know, a walkie-talkie sort of thing. Just bringing people into community for a week of intensivity of investigation of the healing that we already know how to do within ourselves by being prompted through the work of story, of narrative, of bone mapping and having conversations in community, live healings in community, intensifying our connection to ourselves through the radical listening of the other, right? Holding place to be able to listen to someone else other than yourself, but you've created a way to do that easily because you've attentively listened to what your needs are. Mm -hmm. So coming together on Voxer is kind of like a fun way for me to just meet a lot of different people around the world to connect, create, to create community. So I'm launching that September 18th, I think it's like a week long and I'm going to do another one in October and just like a fun way for us to also play, right? Ceremony can be also playful. Yeah. And I think that's really important for people to understand. And I have a mentee who's doing wonderful work in the world with her intersectionality of Reiki healing, energy healing, different modalities of her medicine as she is expressing it, speaking about what we do as woohoo, woohoo, like this little woohoo right? Yeah, I'm all about the woohoo. I am woohoo, you know? And so I want us to get playful with that magic that lives within us. So because I think that would just be fun to kind of use this new technology, that's kind of where I'm stepping into. And for those who are interested in working with me as a doula, as someone who is there to embark some knowledge to help you understand and also help me understand how I can best be of support, I'm creating my community looking at the calendar when 
babies might be born, and also working with families who are preparing to be parents. So all and, of that you can find at my website. Okay. And there's like a contact form on your website for general inquiries and things? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Yes. Oh my gosh. Was this the salve my soul needed today? Ah, oh, gosh. Yeah. This is like my most favorite episode and, and memory. So I'm just relieved and grateful, happy to get these updates and felt fun to get them in this way and just keep it super real, like completely real. Completely, like completely you, li real. you literally were like on the phone with two friends just catching up this past hour and a half. So thank you for being with us. Anything else you want to express? Other than that, I love you. Thank you. Love you dearly too. So grateful for, ah, oof. I suppose I start with a cry, end with a cry, but yeah, yeah. Just grateful for yeah. how, yeah, and having had experiences that were different than how you and I have been able to navigate and move for many years the way that our relationship and rapport has moved. I'm just glad that we have found our way in the way that we have. And you started the conversation with the way that we listen. I'm really grateful to have that experience and example in my life. So thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. I started giggling actually when I was preparing to get online of our journey. And I giggle when I'm uncomfortable. So I was uncomfortable for the moment of reflecting on some of our uncomfortable moments together yeah. that required us to listen to your listeners. You can go back to whatever episode that is and get an understanding of what I'm speaking of. Wow. What a gift, right? Like, yeah. Because our... I mean, I only speak for myself, but our uncomfortability in those zones that we had was like a different type of uncomfortability. I don't know how to explain it, but. It was ideology. It was, I felt like placement of things that we know are not true upon how we, how we are taught to relate to people. And I know for myself, I felt those layers of training indoctrination of how friendships should be evolved in sitting with you in various moments however i'm thinking about how much of those mosquitoes kept coming to bite us right that is so true because we were clearing out so much gook and i know and i'm going to speak to you too i know we healed we healed generational trauma. Yeah, we did. We definitely did. Yeah, we came together in that way. Oof. Oh, gosh. Mm. Yeah, it was big. It was deep, long, ancient, big clearing, big new river that opened up. Yeah. Lifted a gateway. Yeah. And here we are. And we can talk about it and we can cry about it and we can laugh about it. And that's what's special about our ancient sisterhood. 
So you started with the life, death, life. Make me think about what the life is we are both creating. And I'm just really excited for the both of us because there's some, oof. Me too. That's the perfect button to button on this glorious voyage is, yeah, just excitement for what is arriving. Thank you for all your sharing. You have so many new, beautiful offerings and really special ways that I and others can work with you, connect with you, learn from you. So thank you. And we will put all that information in the show notes. And yeah, thank you, Soul Fam, for sitting around this really ancient, beautiful fire with us today. This was a special and fun one. So thank you again, Sanyu. Thank you. And thank you to your Tata. And thank you to the motherland. Yes. I'm calling in the next time we see each other. It's in person and it's not going to be very long. I was thinking the same. Yeah, I know. I I was thinking, how can I get on this November Africa trip? How can she be my deal? Like throughout the whole conversation, I was tuning into like, yeah, a different way of being together. So I second that. Yeah. Mm, We say that again. In I love you. I love to your listeners. And love to you listeners from my end too. And we will sit together again next time. Woo-wee. What a powerful voyage that was. It is always so fun and such an honor to share space with these beautiful beings willing to generously share their time, wisdom, and energy so we can have the opportunity to enrich our own lives. And we will always share each epic guest's links and contact info in the show notes that are on my website, alisoncharles.com, and also in my weekly Ceremony Circle podcast Instagram posts at I am Allison Charles. So it makes it easy for you to connect more deeply with them. And fam, you know by now all the heart I put into creating this show. And I would love to be able to continue providing this free content for a long, long time to come. And what would be most supportive in me being able to do that is if you have ever felt you've gained anything positive at all from listening to a Ceremony Circle podcast episode, if it's brightened your day, if it's given you clarity or insights you've been waiting for, if you felt a healing shift during one of the closing ceremony practices, anything at all, If you can just stay on whatever platform you're now listening to this show and simply go to the rating and review section and share even one reason why you're grateful for Ceremony Circle Podcast. Sacred reciprocity is a big deal and I deeply appreciate you giving back to me so I can keep creating and providing. Sending you so much love. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.